Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Bruce Collins, the host of the Bruce Collins Show, right here at WSMN, 1590 AM. speed of the Earth at the equator is about 1,038 miles per hour. A light year is a measure of distance, not time. It is defined as the distance light travels in one year. Light moves at a velocity of about 300,000 kilometers each second. So in one year, it travels about 9,500,000,000,000 kilometers. About 25% of the universe consists of dark matter, and about 70% consists of dark energy, leaving only about 5% of the universe visible to us. The mysteries around us are many. This is a journey of the bizarre, the paranormal, the secretive, and the unexplained. Why are UFO sightings increasing? What about Bigfoot sightings? Are they all fake? Is there a group of powerful people in the world pushing us toward a new world order? How is it that modern events line up with ancient prophecies? Are secret societies harmless? What is all of the interest in the year 2012? Have economic events been manipulated? Are my guests and I revealing information to our ultimate detriment. Very few are awake at this late hour. Look behind the veil with me. The truth is here. The truth is now. And the truth will set you free. This is The Bruce Collins Show.
Hello, everyone. This is Bruce Collins, and you're listening to The Bruce Collins Show right here at the mighty WSMN 1590 AM, broadcasting all over southern New Hampshire. How'd you like that? My website, by the way, is brucedcollins.com, and you can email me at bruce at brucedcollins.com. As I like to always say, I welcome your comments, and I really do. So go ahead and send me that email, whether it's good or bad or indifferent. Well, you probably wouldn't send me an email if it was indifferent. But if it's good or bad, shoot me the email, and I'll decide whether or not to respond. Usually I will. Now, this is a show that's hard to pin down, which would probably explain my lack of sponsors. Uh, You've noticed we don't have too many commercial breaks here. But uh, I want to thank you so much for allowing me into your homes, your cars, and for those listening online, your computers. And uh, I promise that I'm not looking through the camera on your computer to see what you're doing right now. Uh, please don't think that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's great to be able to broadcast this show, you know, despite the fact that we can't pin it down. And I always like to say it's a journey of the bizarre, the paranormal, the secretive, and the unexplained. Um, it's great that whoever you are, that, that there's something about this program that brings you back week after week. Now, I was reading some of the news today and, and this week, and obviously there's one main story that, uh, that shined beyond all the other stories that was the most important news of the week. It was the news that every news broadcast carried. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about a Boy George. <laughs> boy George this week said that Lady Gaga is weird. That we heard in the news, and if you didn't catch it, well, that's what he said. And I'm guessing that we'd call this an expert opinion. <coughs> anyway, now, of course, the most important news this week is that America is now spelled with a K, or maybe uh, two Ks, uh, so that sounds Russian. Uh, get the joke there. Now, uh, you know, and I'm talking about the, uh, the health care. So let me start by um, singing a song. You know, I sang a song last week uh, for uh, Wally Amos, and that, that song was so good. It's on the top of the charts. I thought I'd sing again this week. We now have health care. We now have health care. We are like commies who pray through the nose. We now have health care. We now have health care. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's our new national anthem via Brother Obama. Now, uh, while health care is passed with a slew of lawsuits coming now, uh, that's not good, obviously. Uh, A lot of red tape. Guess who will be paying for it? Yes, us taxpayers. So we're actually suing the government, uh, paying for trying to get our own money back. And (laughs) this is ironic because how did government bribe us in the first place. They bribed us by promising to spend our money on things that we were going to get back. Of course, we'll have to pay them back through higher taxes. Makes no sense. It's like a uh, mouse chasing cheese in a maze. We're going to lose. We're going to hit that mouse trap, and we're going to go splat. Now, uh, so as I said, there's these lawsuits coming. Uh, attorney generals of several states are, are uh, gathering together as we speak. 
uh, and during the taping of this show. And I guess the only good thing about this, uh, this health care is that we won't have Canadians now sneaking over the borders to get good health care. Hey, that's good. But uh, as far as the southern border, well, that's another story. Uh, no word yet if we're actually going to try to uh, handle that problem. Hey, let's give our free health care to all of our friends from the south. Frighteningly enough, while the good people of the United States would like to end the Fed, hey, here's some more good news. This health care bill actually expands the power of the IRS. Yes, folks, it's not enough that these thugs come in and take our homes when we don't pay this illegal income tax that wasn't, was never properly ratified in the, in the Congress. But, uh, hey, you know, now the IRS can take care of our health care bill, make sure everyone's paying their share. A rather Marxist term, isn't it? In fact, before the bill was passed, there was this story. Subcommittee on Oversight Ranking Member Charles Bustani, a Republican from Louisiana, said the IRS provision in the bill dangerously expands in an ominous way the tentacles of the IRS and its reach into every American family. He said today during a press conference, of course he didn't say that today, I'm reading the article, Republicans estimate the IRS will need nearly 17,000 new employees to meet its new responsibilities under health reform. Hey, that's great, more jobs for everybody. Oh, wait a minute, that's right, I'm going to be taxed even more to pay for these 17,000 new employees. Great. Uh, Bustani continues, this is a vast expanse of power, he said, you think? Bustani said the bill would allow the IRS to confiscate refunds if there are penalties for not buying health care. Wow. Lawmakers have questioned whether the IRS can handle the increased workload, oh, I'm sure they can with 17,000 more people, to oversee, administer, and collect penalties for people who don't buy health insurance. Yeah, it's a free country. you got to buy health insurance, though, or we're going to take your money. And this is from uh, Representative Peter Roscombe. He's a Republican from Illinois. He said, this is increasing tax liability and tax scrutiny. So what are we talking about here? Essentially, we're going to have IRS bounty hunters in place. We already have dog for a bounty hunter, but now we're going to have IRS bounty hunters. Hey, maybe we can have a t new TV show where we show the IRS uh, bullying uh, American citizens. Uh, we really don't need any more bounty hunters unless they're hunting down illegal aliens. Oops, did I say that? You know, at the time of the taping of this program, we've had many state attorney generals filing lawsuits against the federal government, and rightfully so, although I don't think these will go anywhere, unfortunately. But it really is a symptom of a bigger thing that is going on in this country, and that is the dissatisfaction with the American people about how the Republicans and Democrats have been spending their money and have been increasing their tyranny on once free people. Now, the attorney generals are saying, among other things, that this overhaul will bust state budgets. And all of you here in New Hampshire listening right here on WSMN, please go to this website, DOJ, which stands for Department of Justice, doj.nh.gov, doj.nh.gov, and you'll see attorney General Delaney right there, smiling with his suit on. And scroll down to the very bottom where it says, Contact Us. And please contact 
the New Hampshire Attorney General's office and ask them to get on board with the other states who are filing suits against this health care bill, which will bankrupt the states. You know, in technicality, we're already bankrupt as a federal government, but you have states like California that are, you know, sooner or later going to default on loans, much like what's going on in Greece right now. And California is really the tip of the Titanic. When California falls, so goes the rest of the nation, which is what they used to call what they used to say about GM. But of course, they're bankrupt too. And I have to ask myself, where's Epic Beard Man when we need him? Does anybody know who Epic Beard Man is? Go on uh, YouTube and put in Epic Beard Man. That's the 70-year-old white guy that beat up the young uh, black person on the bus. Uh, and then, of course, the, the, the gentleman who got his, uh, his lights uh, beat out of him. Uh, he had some famous words that we can now say now that the health care bill is passed. Call the Amber Lamps. And, uh, you know, we'll keep a tab on all of this uh, and bring you the news here and on my blog at brucetcollins.blogspot.com. But keep tuning in here at the Bruce Collins Show. We're not going to let this go. And, uh, you know, in all fairness to the Democrats, they believe they're not getting a good deal with the American taxpayers. So on behalf of the Democrats, let's not think of this as a tax increase, you know. Let's look at this as an income reducer. You see, it's one of those half-full, half-empty deals. At least that's what Nancy Pelosi would have us believe. Looking over the news, you know, we know that there's thousands of stories per day that never reach the light of day. And I've heard often people who study conspiracy theory, they say, well, you know, a lot of stories don't get reported. That's technically not true because that's not really explaining how news works. There's really a hierarchy. And most news events are, in fact, reported through Reuters or Associated Press. So most things that happen in a 24-hour time period are recorded. And there may be hundreds of and thousands of articles, news articles every day going through the AP and the Reuters. And it used to be the UPI, remember them? And these stories then are filtered uh, by the news media as it goes higher up the chain. So the, the, they decide, you know, the higher-ups decide what news is desired to be presented to the people. And corporations own these large media outlets. So they're not going to let a story rise up to the highest ranks if it paints them negatively or if it paints their candidates negatively. Um, these stories are not going to see the light of day. And so, as I said, the corporations own the large media outlets, so this is why a pertinent news story is passed over by the ABCs, the NBCs, the CBSs, the CNNs, the Fox Newses, you name it. So it's not necessarily that news is not reported. It's more accurate to say that it is suppressed. And there's a lot of news that is suppressed, unfortunately, uh, right here in the good old U.S. of A. And that's so sad because we do have freedom of press. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, and this is partly why this type of thing happens, but on the local and national news broadcast, they kept using the term historic. And uh, I noticed this, maybe you did too, but uh, my, my local news here said, this is going to be a historic vote. Then I would turn on CNN and the person there, Wolf Blitzer or 
whoever it was, Coyote Jones, I don't know, they would say, this is a historic bill. And, uh, and then, then it passed. And all, then all of a sudden, the, the language changed a little bit. You heard Democrats and you heard the news media saying, the Democrats say it's historic. But the Republicans, of course, they're upset. They're disgruntled. And so what it really tells you, it really shows you in a dynamic way how the propaganda is used. Because here's the news media saying this is historic, which to them, they were really floating this message. This is a good health care package. Everybody should want it. It's the compassionate thing to do. And this went from the local news to the national news. This bill is historic. Then it went to once it was passed saying, well, it's really the Democrats that think it's historic. It's these disgruntled Tea Party you know, folks standing outside. It's the Republicans in the Senate. They all are disgruntled. And I also noticed on the local news before the health care bill passed, they didn't say, what are the bad things about this bill? You know, how messed up is this bill? You know, what they said was, we're going to tell you about the misconceptions surrounding this bill. Like as if, you know, the reason why anybody would be against this health care bill is because there's misconceptions out there. I mean, how insulting to 48% of the population that didn't want this to pass. Most people didn't want this to pass, and the media is telling us it's a misconception. Oh, those people who don't want the bill to pass, they're misinformed. And that's really the nicest way they could say it. But really the message they're sending is they're just a bunch of maladjusted dorks. These people who have these misconceptions, those folks who are against us, they're bucktooth, low-brow, moron, net rednecks. You know, we're here at the news. We hope you're we know you're too stupid to think for yourselves. You've got misconceptions. <laughs> we need to spell this out for you slowly. You cabal of missing links. Uh, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. But that's what's really going on is the news media is owned by corporations. And dare I say politicians are owned by corporations. And they're all tied into the banking system. So naturally, they try to get us all on board for something like this oppressive health care bill. But guess what? It didn't work. 48% still thought this was a bad idea. That gives me hope. Now, not necessarily hope that these dimwits are going to listen to us, but it's hope that their opinion of us, that we're the dimwits, that we're the buck-toothed, low-brow morons, and I've got all my teeth, by the way. They're wrong. We're not. America is waking up, and there's a lot of good people left in this country. And you know what? Cooler heads are going to pre prevail in this fight. We're not going to resort to violent measures because we know we the people have the ultimate say in this. We're not going to back down on what we believe in. We're not going to take this oppression sitting down. We're going to stand up, we're going to vote our conscience, we're going to speak up, 
and we're going to tell our neighbors what's really going on in this country. You people hiding in the shadows, look at me. I'm on AM radio, and I'm talking about you, okay? And I'm not afraid. And if I'm talking about it, there's plenty of people in New Hampshire that are talking about it too. And let's go even further. There's plenty of people all across the country that see things my way, that understand that the politicians who were once called public servants are now acting as if there are rulers. There are authorities. There are officials. No, no, no. The American people are not going to stand for this. When we voted for you, we understood that you were there for us to represent us as a servant. You don't do your job, you're not going to report to work after November. I'm sorry, pack your bags, you're through. And I have another uh, article just to give you an idea of how news is suppressed. And this is interesting because... A lot of people probably don't know this listening today, but uh, you can go on Wikipedia and it's there, and you can do the research for yourself and see that this is true. But speaking of conspiracies, the Houston Post back in March 1981 talked about how the Hinckley family was linked to the Bush family. Now, John Hinckley, of course, was the young man, the young disturbed man, who went out and tried to assassinate President Reagan. Well, did you know that the Hinckley family was uh, the, the elder statesman in the Hinckley family was involved in Vanderbilt Energy. He was involved in an oil company and had dealings with the Bush family. And Bush, Bush's son, Neil, Neil Bush, not George W., was scheduled to have dinner with one of the Hinckley brothers in Colorado the night before, I believe it was before, either the night of the day the assassination attempt took place. You want to talk about coincidence of coincidences? What are the odds of that? And again, that was reported in a March 1981 Houston Post article. So I'm not making that up, nor am I connecting the dots, but I think you can. And, and look at what's going on here. And uh, that's not to say that Ronald Reagan wasn't well aware of uh, some of the, the people that were surrounding him. I think he was. But, uh, and uh, frankly, I don't want to speculate any more than that. But again, getting back to this, even if you don't believe in conspiracies, remember, you as a citizen of the United States of America, you have more power than you're giving yourself credit for. I mean, we can't sit back. We've got to task these politicians and ask them, what are you doing for me? I mean, what are you doing in Washington? Do you know that these people have lobbyists that give them tons of money where they can go on vacation at any time? They can take a trip to Jamaica or, or the Bahamas and spend money that a lobbyist has given them. And then, of course, how are they going to vote? You think they're public servants when they do that? Of course not. Of course not. Remember, you've got the power. You've got the power of the vote, 
and uh, there's speculation on whether that's been honest in recent years. But not only that, but promise yourself that they'll answer to you. Don't put up with it. Ask them the questions that need to be asked. Call radio shows that take calls and, and tell them what you know and what you want out of your country. Because they're wasting our money. This country is going bankrupt. We don't have very much time. It's time to get involved. We owe that to future generations of the United States of America. I come from a biblical worldview. These things could very well be prophetic. But regardless of that, we should still stand up for tyranny. We should still want a free country. There's no sin in that. There's no sin in wanting a free country. There's no sin in standing up for what you believe in. There's no sin in standing up for the money that you've put into this country and your expectations of how it should be used. And quite frankly, they shouldn't be using that much of it because the taxes shouldn't be that high. We can do a lot more with a lot less. And what about this President Obama, this hope and change? You know, we're now uh, in more wars than under Bush. We still have these, this Patriot Act where we're spying on people. This is hope and change? No, no. As Alex Jones said a couple months ago, this is Bush on steroids. Now, getting back on topic here, I'm sorry I took a slight, slight detour, but it was well worth the ride. I was recently in a discussion with a colleague who is politically liberal, and his statement was that even though he did think that I was correct that a depression was coming, and that's why I th where I think we're headed, I don't know if we can get out of that, to be honest. But you know what? This pain, I'm praying, brings positive change in the United States. Getting back to my colleague, he believed that at least his son would be okay because of the FDR-like jobs programs that Obama was sure to implement. And I would say that's a little bit dead in the water right now, but that could be coming up. Because as we know, if the people are uninformed, and I pray that they will be, but if they are uninformed and things get worse, jobs programs will sound pretty good to people who are unaware because they're going to cite the FDR years as the answer to what they need to do, which would be a jobs program. And quite frankly, again, I'm not sure how this is going to be possible at this point with all of the trillions already printed and spent and the gradual resistance to this irresponsibility growing in the public as well as political arena. And many politicians who are siding with the president are starting to understand that the writing is on the wall with their careers. That's right. We're even talking about you, Dennis Kucinich. However, this economy is going to get worse, and I do suspect at some point this administration will try to roll out a massive jobs program to rebuild infrastructure, develop green technologies, begin an environmental brigade to ensure that their neighbors conserve energy. The last one, the environmental brigade, which was actually a plank of Obama's campaign, is very troubling to the cause of liberty. I mean, there's nothing like a snitch in the neighborhood for a quote-unquote free society of hope and changers. 
However, even if all of these things were basically for the good of America, and obviously infrastructure and new technologies, could be, it could be argued that would be good, there's one fundamental problem with the jobs program. None of these jobs are creating income for the federal government. When we hire 50,000 new government workers to repair our roads and bridges, how does that reduce our trade deficit? It doesn't because we're actually not selling manufacturing or producing anything that can be sent overseas at a profit. So it's not making us any money. Ooh, new jobs. That's a good idea. Can someone say tax increase? And this is, you know, the same with the IRS wanting to build on their uh, monolithic structure by adding 17,000 new employees. That's a great idea. Duh. You know, this is the problem FDR faced with his massive jobs program, and as a result, he actually prolonged the Great Depression. And I have proof of that. Go back to 1938 and look, and we had 10 to 12 percent uh, unemployment even at that point, eight years later. And it caused the Treasury Secretary, Morgenthau, to admit that all that spending and jobs program did nothing but prolong the Great Depression. Hmm, I don't hear that much in my history books. The other point to be made about a massive jobs program is that it involves a massive amount of money. Where does this money come from? The Federal Reserve. And we have to, and we have to pay that money back to them with interest. What a deal. So in a jobs program, we create large amounts of liquidity which cause prices to increase. We do allow more people to be employed, but at what cost? Why? At the cost of robbing all of us through the inflation tax. Hey, what a party. Poverty is equally divided among the people, which is also called socialism. It really does not sound like a good idea once you peel back all the layers, does it? It also, you know, it also does not sound very good for the future of the U.S. dollar. Hence the inflation, hence the sky high uh, you know, sky-high prices. Can anyone say $50 comic books? And all of this can actually be painted, you can go back to Keynesian economics. John Maynard Keynes wrote The General Theory of Employment, uh, The General Theory of Employment, Interest, and Money back in 1936. And his book was well-received, and it was actually adopted here in the United States, which is very bizarre because Keynes was a socialist. And I actually think it was a setup. You know, they knew eventually the, the economy was going to go bad. Keynes was a member of the Cambridge Apostles, a secret society during his college years, and later he was part of the Bloomsbury Group, a collection of English artists and scholars who regularly had relations with more than one partner and sometimes of the same sex. It's very strange that we would adopt the views of a man who is described by his homosexual partner, Lytton Strachke, as a liberal and a sodomite, an atheist and a statistician. Here are some other bizarre allegations about John Maynard Keynes. Keynes apparently was, uh, was into the uh, uh, pedophilia of little boys. And, uh, you know, he was someone who traveled overseas to make those kinds of visits. And he also believed in legalizing drugs. Um, now, having said that, I understand that the whole uh, marijuana thing is is um, is pro government, and uh, and so um, I'm going to put that off the table today. But uh, Keynes knew that these policies would bankrupt society. 
Because Keynes once said, by a continuous process of inflation. Now get this, he's talking about what's going on today. This is the economist we follow. This is what he said. By a continuous process of inflation, governments can confiscate secretly and unobserved an important part of the wealth of their citizens. By this method, they not only confiscate, but they confiscate arbitrarily. And while the process impoverishes many, it actually enriches some. The process engages all of the hidden forces of economic law on the side of destruction and does it in a matter that not one man in a million can diagnose. Well, that's not entirely true now because many people, thanks to people like Ron Paul, Peter Schiff, other economists who are coming forward, many of us do understand how inflation works. But much of the 20th century, the average person didn't. And that's what the government did. It printed more money. It created inflation. And as John Maynard Keynes, their prized economist, said back in 1920, this secretly confiscated the wealth of the citizens. Now, why would this process be important to a man like John Maynard Keynes? Here's Keynes again saying, when the accumulation of wealth is no longer of high social importance, there will be great changes in the code of morals. So that's what he wanted. He wanted the downfall of the Western world. And this is our prized economist. You can quote up for yourself, by the way. The, the original quote where I was talking about inflation comes from John Maynard Keynes' paper or book, Economic Consequences of the Peace. He wrote it in 1920. Look it up. It appears that this ill-conceived economic principle, which has been embraced by modern economists, was for the purpose of bankrupting us. And what a great job our politicians, bankers, and corporations have done in doing so, haven't they? I mean, how good are these people? In debt by trillions of dollars, and we're still paying them all a salary. In fact, with the bailout money, the bankers got bonuses, and our CEOs get bonuses, and congressmen get money under the table. Do you feel good about this? I sure don't. And to think, when I was uninformed, I voted for some of these people. But no more. I'm voting third party. Now, I actually have good news for you today that will not be reported by ABC, and it will not be reported by CNN. It will not even be reported by most alternative news sources. It will not be reported by those watching the elites. It will not be reported for those who are selling survival products and books. No, usually they have to resort to doom and gloom. It won't be reported by MUFON, which is the UFO network, or those who have secret contacts. It won't be reported by people who depend on you for listenership, nor will it be reported by people who need to keep you in perpetual fear. Ugh. This news is so good, it'll change you from head to toe. This news is the greatest of great reports. It is the highest 
of the highest news. Do I have you wondering what I'm talking about? Even I'm kind of wondering what I'm talking about. This knowledge has been suppressed by the religious. It's been suppressed by the governments. And anyone who doesn't believe in your freedom. Because, you know, for them, their power is your enslavement. And once you know what I'm about to tell you, you have access to all you need to know. Today, I'm not here to talk about UFOs. I'm not here to talk about government conspiracies. I'm not even here to talk about all the things that are used as currency. And there's a place to talk about conspiracies. There's a time and a place to talk about UFOs and all of these subjects. There's nothing wrong with that. Because I believe that these subjects are important, but maybe sometimes we place a high priority on them that shouldn't be the high priority that we place it at. That's what I'm starting to think. And this show has guests, a lot of guests, a lot of experts, a lot of people that may think they're experts and are not, unfortunately. But you know what? After April, starting in May, I'm still going to have many guests, but I'm going to start moving in a certain direction that I think is the right way to move. Um, I want to balance the seriousness of the hour with the news. I do not want anyone to give up. I want everyone to be inspired and to understand that they're here today for a reason. Despite the fact that the news looks bad, despite the fact that things are going on around you that are not pleasant, there are good reasons to be here now. And the biggest reason that I can think of is that your creator put you here right now. And I'm here to tell you that the good news that I've been talking about is the more, most important news you can ever have. It's the most important news you could ever arm yourself with. Far more important than anything else you could hear on the radio, on the television, in the movies, or on the internet. One great thing about this good news is that it is totally free. Like all good radio programs, I need to string you along for a few moments. For one thing, I don't have a guest tonight, and I've only talked for about 30 minutes. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I need to string you along a little bit. So before I release this unbelievably good news to all of you, let me tell you a little bit about myself and how I got here. Now, I have talked about this before, but not on AM radio, and I've only talked about it once. But I was born in a Christian home. My grandfather was a pastor for 50 years all over the United States. Um, when I was born, he was mainly uh, you know, in the area I'm in now. And I won't say his name for obvious reasons as, as we progress. But my grandfather was well-established in the, in the ministry, and knew a lot of people that are well-known names in Christian, uh, Christian denominations. 
And in my teens, I witnessed the disintegration of my parents' marriage. My father essentially had a nervous breakdown. I remember at night when I was in high school staying up all night because my father uh, had weapons and I was afraid that he was going to come in and kill me, quite frankly. And so I would stay up and then the next day I would go to school and that caused me to withdraw socially and I had problems at school, fights and all of that from that. It was a really, really difficult time for me is what I'm saying. And before the, the end of my parents' marriage, um, you know, there was a lot of anxiety that I went through. Um, there was a lot of wondering about where God was in all of this. Um, and in a way, I blamed myself for my parents getting divorced. And I had a very low self-worth about myself that caused me many problems, you know, in years after that. And, you know, my father ended up in a mental institution. There's a lot that I'm not telling you, obviously, right now. But um, my brother and I were required to visit him. And during this time, as if that wasn't enough, I also found out that my grandfather, who I highly respected, had beaten his wife for years during his ministry. And that was heavy. And God had blessed his ministry all throughout the years. Many were saved. Many were healed. And I want to say, in all fairness, the grandfather that I knew was not the same man as when my mother was a child. But still, having known that, you cannot believe, and all of you have had problems, so you understand what this feels like. It was a shock to the system. My father, who I looked up to, I found out this man's feet were made of clay. You know, I found out that he had horrible, horrible mental, emotional, spiritual problems. I found out that my grandfather wasn't everything that I knew him to be or hadn't been in the past everything that I thought him to be. Now, why did I tell you this condensed version of my life today? Because... First of all, I want you to understand that I'm not some kind of robot some who's led some perfect life that, you know, I'm, I look at things through rose-colored glasses. I know that life's tough today. I know that the financial problems that this government have imposed on you have caused you great pain. I know that. I also know you can overcome. And, you know, I, I want you to understand that it doesn't matter where you've been and how you grew up, it doesn't even matter what people think of you. You know, this show is not about being smart. I was, you know, told by someone once, it's better to be clear than to be clever. I'm not trying to be super intelligent to impress you. I'll leave that to other people. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people think of you. As long as you're doing what you know is the right thing to do. And it, it doesn't, it, so what I'm saying is it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. Let that go right now. Let's start with right now. You know, for many years of my life, I lived a legalistic version of Christianity. And I held myself up to the law, the old covenant, trying to be this perfect Christian. And you know what I found since then? And sad to say, in recent years, I went a long time trying to live this way. And 
I don't know how I made it to this side, to be quite honest with you. Because I'll tell you something. I've seen a lot of people lead a legalistic version of Christianity and burn out. You know, there's a whole trash heap of people who have tried to live the life and they couldn't do it. And now they've walked away from God, which I find to be the saddest thing of all. And you know what I've found in recent years? That really isn't Christianity at all. I tried to strive. I tried to achieve. I tried to live a good life. And I was really doing it on my own, but thinking that I was living for God. Thinking that God would help me as I helped myself. And it was really a religion. It wasn't Christianity. Christianity is vibrant. It's alive. But I didn't know that. And I thought that this religion I had built up, this legalistic view, this old covenant perspective was the right way to do it. I thought it was bringing honor to God. And you know what? It was ill-conceived. And I see so many people doing this today. And I pray, that, I pray that they understand the love of God. That's what I pray. And maybe this is where you're at today. Your church has you convinced or somebody has you convinced that you must struggle and claw your way to freedom. Or maybe you've walked away from your faith in Jesus Christ because you burned out, like I said, from trying to live the life. You just couldn't do it. Believe me, I know where you're at. I've been there. But you know what? That's not the Christian life. It was what religion tells you that Christianity is. How many out there know that God still uses the downtrodden, the outcasts, the lowly, the flawed, the unpolished, and the least respected to sometimes bring his message forth? I mean, folks, it's called the Old Testament and the New Testament. I mean, for crying out loud, Paul, as Saul, was killing Christians. And thank God that he does this. Otherwise, none of us would, would be here. None of us would have a chance to be called a child of God. None of us. And if you've listened to this program in the past, you know that I'm a Christian, and that invitation is always open to you. God loves you. I want to make that clear. God loves you today. Whatever you've done, you're listening today for a reason. And the reason is, I'm here to tell you that God loves you. He punished all your sins all right. Those preachers, those fire and brimstone preachers saying, he's going to punish you. Yes, he did. He punished all your sins. But it was through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose again. Isn't that awesome? That's how much God loves you. And I don't understand perfectly the Jesus Christ is the son of God, but he is God. I mean, I can't pretend to totally understand that. But I know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is God, because Isaiah says his name is Emmanuel, which is God with us. So Jesus' name actually carries the name God in it. So this is how awesome our God is to do this. And before you say, well, you know, it's not in history. It is in history. Eight historians, many of them Romans, wrote about Jesus. All you need to do is repent, and repent really means to change your mind. Understand that you need Jesus Christ. You need salvation. 
And however, simply telling people to repent is not going to rescue them from their failures. We have a ton of preachers who tell you to repent. How is that working today? Repent means to change your mind. Be honest. In the bottom of your heart, you know that you need Jesus Christ. There's something missing. There was something missing when I tried everything under the sun, and it didn't bring satisfaction. You know, humans have been told to obey for thousands of years. Obey the Ten Commandments. Obey this. Obey that. What we need to be, we need to be rescued. That's our problem. We have a, a sin problem that we inherited from Adam. And we need to be rescued from our sins. Something more is needed than just understanding that you're a sinner. And that's Jesus Christ. But we do not experience the blessing of forgiveness if we don't believe that Christ has done this for us. We can't do it. Jesus Christ has to do it for us. And how does he do it for us? We believe. We need faith or belief, and the New Testament says much more about faith than it does repentance, by the way. The words for faith occur more than eight times as often as the word repentance. So I guess we know the importance of faith in Jesus Christ. I believe in grace. I believe in the grace of God. I believe God wants people to come to him, not, not, uh, not expecting that God is going to strike you down with lightning for all the things you've done. No, 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 no. He understands what you've done. That's why he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross and, and rise again. So again, you need to have faith and believe in what Jesus has done for you. Everyone who believes in Jesus is forgiven. That's Acts 10.43. And if you don't have a Bible, go to Bible.com. Look up Acts 10. Verse 43, and see it for yourself. Everyone who believes in Jesus is forgiven, okay? Everyone. So what I see happening today are a bunch of people in New Hampshire listening to this broadcast, and they're going to become born again today. Today. Not by sending money to somebody, not by attending a church, believing in what Jesus Christ did for you. This message is powerful and it's going out over the airwaves right now. Just believe right now in what Jesus Christ did for you. You know, Acts 16, verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And the gospel, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, says it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who, what? Believes. Christians are known as believers, not as repenters. Belief is the defining characteristic Faith is believing that we have a good God and believe we do. I mean, think about it. Jesus Christ came to die for your sins. How powerful. He took it all on him. He took all that junk that you've done in the past that you don't want anybody to know about. He paid for it already. And he protects and provides for those who trust in him. Remember the parable? parable? <laughs> That's a tough one. Remember the parable of the prodigal son? We'll, we'll, you know, we taped this, so I'm sure we'll edit that out. <laughs> Probably not. You know, the parable of the prodigal son, Jesus shared it to illustri illustrate how good our Heavenly Father is. The wayward son had squandered his father's inheritance before he decided to go home to ask his father 
to make him a hired servant. But before he could reach home, his father saw him from far away, and he ran toward him, and he embraced him. And instead of making him a hired servant, the father turned to his servants and said, Bring out the best robe. Get a ring and sandals for my son. Let's kill the fatted calf and celebrate. Now, when the older son returned from work, and this is, you know, this is a parable. Parable. Blech. I come from California. I guess we can't say that word. You know, his father is symbolic of God. The older son is symbolic of a Christian who never turned away from God. Now, when the older son returned from work and heard about the celebration, he became angry and refused to enter the house. When his father came out to ask him what was wrong, the older son complained, Look, I've served you all these years, yet you never gave me a calf to celebrate with my friends. But as soon as this prodigal son of yours comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Notice what his father then tells him. Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. We should celebrate because your brother was dead, but is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. Can you see how the older brother perceived his father? In a legalistic old covenant way, he saw his father as a hard and stingy man. Why didn't dad give me the fatted calf? He believed that he had to work to get something good from his father. But this illustration shows clearly he didn't. He didn't realize that he already had an inheritance. He could have killed the fatted calf any time for a celebration. That's how good God is. If you understand that story, that should blow you away. That's not legalism. Like the father in the parable, God has already given you an inheritance in Christ. Don't fail to enjoy it by doubting God's goodness or by believing that you must work for it. Isn't this good news? Didn't I tell you we were getting to some great news? See your father's heart of love and goodness toward you and celebrate your inheritance today. He loves you. In light of all the stress of the day, we should fight tyranny. But we should also daily find rest in the Lord. A lot of people don't know how to do that. And it's because they follow this legalistic way. They're always struggling, always striving. And that doesn't work. You don't become pure by trying to be. Jesus is the disinfectant. The more we dwell in his presence, the more we understand that the work of the cross is a finished work. That's what changes us, not our striving. Remember, Jesus, it said, is the author and the finisher of our faith. We are not the finisher of our faith, and it is a faith. Now, let's look at Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. I'm going to show you how God gives us rest and how we can find rest. Isn't this great? Now, whether it's a baby you want this year, better health, a breakthrough in your financial status. I know a lot of people are, are disgruntled at their jobs. This comes through rest. Rest comes before anything else. Verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now what does that all mean? Because it kind of sounds old English. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He didn't say, come to a denomination or come to this man of God. He said, come to me, come to Jesus. 
And it all begins with going to Jesus. Labor here is not referring to your job, by the way. Jesus was actually speaking to the Jews who were laboring to keep the law of Moses. They were laboring in the Old Covenant. They were heavy laden by the heavy yoke of the law and wearied from trying to keep all the commandments. He was offering rest to these people, and we can only find that rest through Jesus Christ. All they had to do was put their faith in him, for he was going to die for their sins and fulfill all the righteous requirements of the law on their behalf. My friend, this rest is for the conscience is given to you. When a person puts his faith in Christ instead of trying to observe religious laws and rituals to earn God's salvation, you may already be a believer, but are you worn out by religion? I was. Are you tired of trying to keep all sorts of religious rules to please God and earn his acceptance and love? Come to Jesus and let him give you rest. See how he has already done everything at the cross for you to have God's forgiveness, acceptance, and love. Let's look at what else Jesus said. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We just learned that rest for our conscience is given when we believe in Jesus. Now, rest can also be found. I'm talking about rest for your souls. Wouldn't you agree that after we are saved, the biggest area that needs rest is our emotions, our mind, that is the soul realm? Your prosperity and health are linked to the prosperity of your soul. God's and prosperity, I'm not defining by money, by the way, necessarily. God's word says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. And remember, the forgiveness of sins is not just the beginning of Christianity. It is not the beginning. Don't think of it that way. It's the foundation. Once you have the forgiveness of sins, it is the foundation, the foundation for blessings, the foundation for healing, the foundation for victory. Enter in. Believe in God. Don't be held back by uh, guilt and uh, guilt uh, about things you've done. Remember, forgiveness of sins is always there for you. Wow. We just went through an hour, folks, and I feel like we could go another hour, but uh, we'll do this another time. You know, next week, my guest is Jeffrey Grupp, author of Corporatism. That should be a very interesting interview. I want to thank you for listening tonight. Take the words that I am telling you very seriously and meditate on them. Meditate on what God has done for you. And if you need to, go to BruceCollinsShow.com and re-listen to this. Be encouraged. There is power in the, in the name of the Lord. And you can know that you are protected, that you are guided, and, and that there is a plan for your life. Despite all the bad news out there, there is good news. Again, go to BruceCollinsShow.com to re-listen to this broadcast. And, uh, and by the way, I want none of your money. I'm not asking for donations. I'm not trying to make money off of this. I'm trying to do the right thing. Visit my blog at brucedcollins.blogspot.com and my main website is brucedcollins.com. Hey, you know what? I want to thank you for listening today. I believe today can be the best day in your life. Just remember, rest in the Lord and realize that God is in control when he is in control of your life. You may not be able to control everything that goes on in the world, but you can control what goes on in you. Thank you very much once again for listening. 
I wish you have a great weekend, a wonderful week ahead. Remember, together we can make a big difference in this world, whether we're talking about politics, economics, spiritual issues, all of these things. Listen to The Bruce Collins Show. We're not finished yet. We've only just begun. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus